Good morning. It is Tuesday, December 13th, and this is Finger Lakes Today, presented by DeSanto Propane. I'm Rebecca Swift. And I'm Josh Durso. We have a lot of news to get to today. Big changes are coming to one Ontario County Fire District. We'll tell you why. And tensions have reached a fever pitch between Seneca Lake Guardian and Seneca Meadows. But first, your forecast to get the day started. Mostly sunny today with a high around 33. Increasing clouds tomorrow with a high around 34. And all eyes, though, on Thursday into Friday as we watch a system that could bring some area-wide snow. So, Josh, what is the National Weather Service saying right now about this potential weather event Thursday into Friday? Well, right now, it, it we're pretty confident that it's not going to be a blockbuster, at least not here locally. Um, probably going to see that first area-wide snow, though. What does that mean? Uh, it's probably going to mean maybe three to five inches of snow for most people. Um, could be less because of the temperature fluctuation and uh, National Weather Service still is not totally sure about what the exact track of the low is going to be depending on where it goes and what those temperatures are. Obviously, that's going mm -hmm. to dictate how much snow we get, uh, but it's going to be a, a minor thing in the grand scheme, right? Like we're going to be able to handle this. Okay. We can handle three to five inches of snow. I think we can. Yeah. I think we can. So let's talk about some other major stories today. Josh, what is happening in Clifton Springs involving <laughs> GW Lisk? So GW Lisk is located in the village. And as you see in the picture there, uh, there has been for the last several months, it seemed to start in summer, uh, residents started to complain about a chemical odor that was kind of moving around uh, the village, uh, particularly at night. Uh, and the pictures that you see on the screen there are uh, were taken by a nearby resident who said uh, she snapped those while the smells were particularly strong. Uh, the DEC was contacted. Local residents have reached out to the DEC asking for something to be to be done. Uh, and unfortunately for uh, a lot of the residents around there, there's no violations of the air permit that GW LISC has with the DEC. Uh, so they're just investigating. They're trying to figure out what the exact cause is, why it's happening. Uh, a lot of frustration because the smell is apparently even like passing off onto animals so some oh, no. neighbors are saying they're letting their their cats and dogs out and if they're out for you know too long the smell comes back in with the animal so i uh, definitely a frustrating thing not something that we're probably going to see a resolution to anytime soon mm, well what do we know about the shooting that happened in geneva yesterday so yesterday on Genesee street or in the area of Genesee street a, a gentleman was walking across the street and was shot uh Upper leg, uh, not a life-threatening uh, injury, but serious enough that he had to be treated in an area hospital. Uh, no information on the shooter. No suspect, no leads, it really seems. Uh, it happened at kind of a not real busy time of day on the street itself. So basically, the public's help is definitely needed here. Uh, GPD is asking for anybody who has uh, local uh, cameras or anything like that, residential type, uh, might have caught something to, to send it their way. Um, but this adds to the list of uh, unsolved uh, crimes that are they're trying to work through. All right. And no charges for the person responsible for calling in a <laughs> shooting threat at a Watkins Glen school. Josh, do we know why? 
Well, it was a teen out of state. Uh, so the teen was apparently traveling through and uh, with family, obviously. And the threat uh, was basically a prank gone too far, gone wrong. Uh, and because of that, because of the way the state laws work and the federal laws work, he's a minor, can't do anything about it. So it, it ends. Now, the up, upside to this uh, whole situation, if you can say that, is law enforcement's confirmed there was no threat at any point uh, to residents, uh, students, or faculty. So case closed is what local law enforcement's saying, and uh, school district officials are uh, you know, just happy that this is behind them and that law enforcement was able to uh, see this thing all the way through. All right. Uh, Paul, we have... A lot of sports uh, to get to today. Indeed. Really exciting news if you're a fan of Syracuse uh, University. Yeah. What's going on? Big orange uh, day last night. Uh, for the first time in history, the Syracuse men's soccer team, our national champions, uh, drew 2-2 in regulation. So we'll catch everybody up to that point. Nathan uh, Apoku scored in the 23rd minute. Uh, Kurt Kaloff scored in the 32nd. Second half of the game for the Orange, a little bit rougher than the first half. Uh, we're on their back heel most of the time there. Uh, Anthony Sinclair scored what was the, what ended up being the walk-off goal. Uh, Syracuse won 7-6 to six in the PK shootout, uh, which uh, kind of crazy, just if you don't know. Each team has five shots on goal initially at that point. If you still have a knotted score at that point, it becomes sudden death. You More or less, you save one, you score, you win. Uh, flip-flop inverse anyway with that. That's what happened with Syracuse last night. A goalie, Russell Seeley, two goals and three saves on the night. Uh, really great stuff for Syracuse. By far their best season. This was a team that um, really post, really the COVID year into last year, uh, struggled mightily. This was a good rebound year. Caught a nice run. Ended up being third ranked in the country going into the Final Four of the College Cup this past weekend anyway. Uh, and they took down what has been historically one of the better programs. Indiana was looking to win their ninth national championship wow. in that game. Wow. So uh, big deal, and we avenge the 87 basketball team all at the same time. <laughs> Speaking of basketball, 86-71 victory over Monmouth last night. Uh, five players in double figures for points. Shoot immense 24, career high for him, five assists and four steals. Joe Girard had 16 points. Jesse Edwards, fifth double-double on the season, 12 points and 10 rebounds. Also, we'll probably now have a cult nickname of the Pterodactyl, courtesy of something one of the broadcasters said in the game last night. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that for everybody. Benny Williams had 13 and... Uh, and uh, Brown as well chipped in 11. Big game on Saturday as Cornell comes to the Dome for their week or for their yearly visit. Uh, Cornell team that is 7-2 and two, uh, and took Miami to the brink uh, over the weekend. So uh, should be interesting. That's 3 p.m. on the ACC Network for that. couple scores to touch on for high school basketball quickly last night. Sotis 43, North Rose will cut 38. Uh, leading scorer in the game was Marquez Winget for Sotis with 13. Nick Gilbert had 10 for the Cougars of North Rose Wilcutt. East Rochester 55, Red Creek 65, and then Midlakes uh, held home ground 53-42 over Naples. Uh, a few games this touch on tonight, Gananda at Lions, Waterloo at Palmac, Marcus Whitman at Wayne, and Dundee Bradford at South Seneca. On the girls' slate, nothing last night tonight. Minders is at Newark, Wayne's at Midlakes, and then myself and producer Nate Sharman will be at Waterloo as the Red Raiders come to visit the Tigers in girls' basketball action 730. So share your tune in to Fairleys One Radio. 
on Mixler, as well as the Huddle Channel on U- on Waterloo <laughs> for Waterloo. Uh, we're looking forward to uh, getting back to the gym tonight. Obviously, we all know about Waterloo girls' team last year going to the state title game and uh, losing within the final minute. So, and they brought back a lot of girls. I mean, this is still a good girls' team that they have. And the Palmac team is not one to really mess around with either, so it should be a really good early season action game tonight. Awesome stuff. Yeah. Uh, looks like we have some breaking Buffalo Bills news. Uh, Cole Beasley coming out of retirement. Oh, boy. Joining the Bills practice squad. Uh, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reporting that in the last, like, 15 minutes, apparently. Wow. Okay. Um, how, do we f- how do we feel about that, Nate? Oh, I, I, I like it. I know Beasley is not a great person, and I, I'll agree <laughs> with that, uh, but... <laughs> We're talking about football here, so I think he'll be able to come in and, and help the Bills play. So I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, the signing. Um, be on the practice squad, and he should be elevated on Saturday night as far as uh, what I was reading. What I'm curious about when something like that happens is, like, is it a limited playbook they're learning? No. Well, like, usually, what, are, what are you picking up in four days? Well, what helps <laughs> with him is he knows the playbook already. Okay. I mean, Dorsey hasn't strayed too, too far away from what Dable ran. Gotcha. So I mean, he knows the he knows this he knows the teammates. He knows the playbook. He knows the environment. What he's got to do. So uh, this isn't like Odell coming in. This is you know a guy that they know what he has at this point. You obviously have had him on the team the better part of the past what three and a half seasons I think it is. So uh, depth piece, as I would call it. You know, certainly a guy who won't see the field every snap. Say like Diggs or right or Davis, but you know a guy who will probably be out there for somewhere in between probably 30-40% of the snaps and give you probably a nice change of pace type thing in a slot position. 33 years old. Yeah. Years young. Still got it. We'll see. (laughs) Thank you, Paul, and thank you, Nate. So coming up after the break, we will be talking with the Fisher's Fire Department chief who breaks down his take on an election that is happening today to determine who will be the next fire commissioner. We'll be right back. the difference has been DeSanto Propane. That's 80 years that DeSanto Propane has been servicing the community. DeSanto Propane is four generations strong as a trustworthy family-owned business, which is why everyone recommends DeSanto Propane. Choose DeSanto today and see why for 80 years DeSanto Propane has been heating the community with unmatched customer service. Go online at DeSantoPropane.com or call toll-free 1-800-752-4574 and like DeSanto Propane on Facebook for more tips and info today. DeSanto is celebrating 80 years and there's never been a better time to switch to propane to fuel your entire house. Oh, 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 DeSanto. Since 1937, the difference has been DeSanto Propane. Dr. Jeffrey Halstead has been Canandaigua's hometown dentist for more than 35 years. Canandaigua Dentistry offers routine dental care, as well as cosmetic dentistry, implants, and dentures from a highly trained, experienced staff. A proud supporter of local veteran organizations, Canandaigua Dentistry offers veteran and senior discounts, as well as an in-house dental membership program for people without insurance. 
Dr. Halstead and Canandaigua Dentistry is committed to providing you with personal, professional care. Whether you are searching for a family dentist or a cosmetic dentist, the Canandaigua Dentistry team promises to go the extra smile for you. Stop by the office located at 3240 Middle Cheshire Road in Canandaigua or call 585-394-5230 to talk with the team today. Visit www.canandaiguadentistry.com to learn more and find them on Facebook and Instagram too. Today's program is brought to you thanks to support from Chichino's Pizzeria and Restaurant. Live, laugh, and eat well. It's the Italian way. It's the Chichino's way. Auburn Auto Group. Experience the difference at auburnautogroup.com. Finger Lakes Partners. Insurance for your life, home, auto, and future. Get a free quote at fingerlakesinsurance.com. Little John and Barbie Orthodontics. Celebrating over 40 years. Visit them online at littlejohnortho.com. Upstate Fiber Networks. Fast and reliable fiber internet straight to your home. Check for availability in your area at upstatefibernetworks.com. Midday Miris and Ricky, your hometown personal injury attorneys. Get a free consultation at midaymirisricky.com. There's been a lot of public interest in the Fishers Fire District's operations and concerns about the amount of tax dollars being spent on it, according to Fire Chief Daniel Chapman. I spoke with him yesterday about an election that's happening later today that will determine who will be the next fire commissioner to oversee the budget. Take a listen. Right off the jump, what is going on over there? Uh, there's been a lot of public interest in the last couple of years in our operation and the concern of overtaxation of the people and not understanding all the moving parts to the service. And so what's going on with the fire district commissioner election? Uh, there's two sides to the commission, I guess you would say. I know um, so there's one faction that feels that the taxes are too high and the, and the service doesn't match what they're paying. And then another side is comfortable with what we're doing in the direction that we're trying to have. And so tell me about, is this is this happening tomorrow, this election? The elections are tomorrow afternoon. Okay, and so talk to me about uh, who people can vote for and how things are changing. Uh, there's currently two candidates on the, on the election ballot. I am Gene Krim and Tony Garfolo, I think is how you say the name. Um, I, I don't want to get into too much specifics on either candidate, so I don't appear to be swaying either direction. I got to remain neutral and stay focused on the job, I guess would be the best way to put it in my position. And so in terms of um, what's going on, I mean, uh, has this been kind of stressful for the department? Extremely, extremely stressful for for both myself trying to move the organization forward and make you know appropriate changes so we can be fiscally responsible, but also provide a service that's acceptable. And so, what do you think is like the best? What from where you're sitting in your position, what would be the best outcome? Uh, I think like what I've said all along is, is you know, I, I've heard the, the concerns from both sides. Um, I come from 35 plus years in the fire service, um, but I need time to make some of these changes. I need drastic changes, you know, as have been done in other organizations, tend to cause, you know, rebound issues. Um, so, you know, 
the concerns of the taxes since I've been here in my four years. The rate has not made any major jumps, or the, the actual operational budget hasn't made any jumps. Um, I, the officers and I continue to try and find ways to save money, but we also know there's got to be a quality service, and we don't want to. We don't want the service to go backwards for, or lose the quality of the service just to save money. That's not the way we operate. Sure. And how did this election come to be? Uh, it actually started about three years ago. A, a group of residents um, saw their tax bills. And, and years before I got here, there were some large increases due to the shift from volunteer staff to more more career staff than volunteers, um, strictly out of necessity because of the lack of volunteers. We're down to currently like two interior qualified volunteers. You know, their time is limited. They, they give us as much as they can, which is awesome. Um, but we just don't have the volunteer base to get a timely response. And today's world, the, the response time is one of the biggest factors is how quickly you know, services can get there to mitigate either the medical or the fire or gas emergencies. So the district many years ago started to make the shift. Um, now the taxpayers have noticed the jump in their taxes with what they felt was less than quality communication from the district. So we've really tried hard to increase our information out to the public if you look on our website you'll see a lot more stuff from me and a lot more clarification of things so when people have questions you know i try to be as out there as i can to help answer that in terms of um how much ground does do you cover like what's your service area we cover basically half of the town of victor um so the northwest half you would say uh, i don't have the number in front of me but it's right around 24 square miles of and so, I mean, after tomorrow, is there going to be some kind of like, like what's so once the person is elected, once this is over and done with, um, what then? Like, what do you hope to see be one of the first things that happened after this is over? Either candidate, I hope they come in and spend some time with myself, with the staff, you know, trying to understand that, you know, open communications. I don't mind anybody that comes in here concerned about their tax rates and allows me the time to communicate and actually listen. Um, that's probably the biggest challenge, I guess, in the world is, you know, honest communication back and forth and finding a happy medium. Um, and that's kind of my job. You know, the firefighters always want more. The commission wants to pay less. I have to be that middle person to say, this is a quality service. You know, I think we're a solid B service. We're not the best service in the country or even in the area. But we, we provide a good service. It's a balance between the taxes and the service. So would you, you would like that who's ever elected to come in and, and get right get right down to it with you? Come in, spend some time with us, sit down, you know, with myself or, or the officers or the staff and, and learn the job. I don't, you know, either candidate doesn't come from the fire service, so neither one understands it, which is okay. Having that business mindset's not a bad thing for us to help think outside the box as we do our operation, but whoever gets in, I hope they take the time to to listen to what we have to say and you know, we'll listen to their concerns and, and try and find some kind of happy meeting. Now, for somebody who might not know what the role of a district commissioner 
can you kind of in layman's terms break down to me what is a district commissioner what do they do what's their purpose there's a big fancy legal definition but basically they're the fiduciary or they're in charge of the money so they i present to them a budget in august of what i feel we need to operate next year they look at that budget they approve or disapprove you know the money usage and then each month that's their primarily their job is to make sure we're spending the taxpayers money the way we said we were we weren't wasting it we weren't buying frivolous things or illegal things so they're really they're kind of like your town board overseeing the highway department the highway super is given a budget he runs his operation it's kind of a similar model as these are the elected officials representing the taxpayers. and so every every fire department has has one that, that's one of the challenges every fire district district types of fire protection and fire service in our country or in our state i should say like canada was a city fire department so they fall under the city managers and fire city council and then down to the fire chief the Farmington Fire Department is an independent department that sends a bill to the town of Farmington and says, this is how much fire protection will cost you next year. They're run by their, their board, the volunteers within their organization. So you have a city, municipal, you have fire districts like we are, where elected officials run us. Or in Farmington's case, the, the fire department is their own overseers. They submit a bill to the town board every year and say, this is how much we want for next year. And and so what would be like the number one issue that you would like to address right off the jump? Communication, I, I think, is I try not to watch or get into the, the campaign, shall we say. I don't know how much you've read of that, but there's a lot of misinformation, maybe not complete. The whole picture isn't being painted. By both sides at times and it, you know it's frustrating when i know that there's more to the story on different sound bites um and i and that's probably the biggest thing is, is let's look at it you know totality you can't just say well i want to drop this by 30 dollars okay well that's going to domino these other services or you know dropping that's only going to save you a few you know a few dollars where if you really want to save most time you can go to the fireman or the you know group officers and say okay where can we save money we're going to be like well we could do this different we could do you know so i'm not saying we can't save some money but the drastic numbers and, and to drop any more staff would be in my opinion unsafe all right um i mean i think you did a great job i just tell me a little bit about where people can go to vote and when tomorrow from 3 to 9 p.m here at the high street station which is 380 high street Fishers, they have to be a resident of our district, a voting resident of our district to be able to vote. And, it, and this is Tuesday. Yes, tomorrow. And then um, after that, do you know how soon along we'll know kind of who the final? They they do usually count the votes that night, depending on how many are here and if there's any discrepancies to vote. But for the most part, the the winner is normally announced that evening. Um, depending on you said the quantity of votes and then if there's any votes that come into question that need to be clarified by the board of elections that could be delayed that person would then take over in, in january 
All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to kind of like educate me on this. Um, is there anything else that you think I should know? Anything I should have asked you that I didn't? No, like I said, if anybody, you know, go to our website, look at our information. And if there are questions, my, you know, my phone's emails open or my office phone's, you know, on. So I'd be glad to try and you know, help clarify anything that's out there. All right. Welcome back, Rebecca. Great work on that interview, first and foremost. Thank you, Josh. The chief, really important stuff. Uh, I'm curious, what was your big takeaway from your conversation with him? So my big takeaway uh, was the fact that he said before he, so he said he's been the chief for four years and before he was in the role position that he is currently in, that the department had switched from volunteer firefighters to paid firefighters. And it almost sounded to me like, he made it sound like people caught on after, you know, years later to where that they were paying more taxes because these were career firefighters versus being volunteer firefighters. But he said that, you know, that was before his time. And he said that they just don't have the volunteers to do it. So I'm curious, Josh, what do you think about that? So ironically enough, we have a story that's going to be getting published later today on a new tax incentive, income tax, property tax incentive for volunteer firefighters and volunteer EMS uh, in New York State because of the shortage. Why is that important? Well, that's important because no one wants to pay the taxes for a, a career firefighting service until their house is burning down, right? Really? That's what this comes down to? We see it a lot in smaller communities where there is this extra uh, scrutiny on every tax dollar but the reality that a lot of folks miss especially in smaller rural communities is that in order to maintain the things that they hold dear like their home their property possessions family safety investment and people need to make a living wage obviously that's one element of this and then also things like putting out a house fire without the home simply burning to the ground as it would have in 1850 costs a lot of money. There's a lot of water being used. There are a lot of chemicals. There's a a lot that goes into it, right? Sure. So it's complicated. And it's always interesting to me when this kind of scrutiny starts to pop up on an individual district or department that the pendulum will swing the other way. And we'll see something like what played out last year in northern Cayuga County, where folks started to get really frustrated at the slow response time to the volunteer fire departments there. So you've got two ends of the spectrum, and the solution is probably somewhere in the middle, Um, but the solution most definitely does not mean exclusively volunteer uh, fire departments, unless these people are going to be getting a stipend from the government, which I'm certain the folks who are extra uh, concerned about tax dollars are not going to want to see free money being passed out. So just some thoughts there on something that I think um, this is a unique story because this has been an ongoing debate in Victor for several years. Yes. Merger discussions, things like that. Yes. But this is one of those scenarios that is very similar when you extract, when you zoom out and you look at other communities that are facing what do we want to pay for? What services do we want to pay for? How much do we want to invest in these services? If you want a community that people want to live in, it's going to cost money, plain and simple. That's really good insight, Josh. Thank you so much. We have another major story that we have been covering for you on fingerlakes1.com. We will be right back with that. 
Dr. Jeffrey Halstead has been Canandaigua's hometown dentist for more than 35 years. Canandaigua Dentistry offers routine dental care, as well as cosmetic dentistry, implants, and dentures from a highly trained, experienced staff. A proud supporter of local veteran organizations, Canandaigua Dentistry offers veteran and senior discounts, as well as an in-house dental membership program for people without insurance. Dr. Halstead and Canandaigua Dentistry is committed to providing you with personal, professional care. Whether you are searching for a family dentist or a cosmetic dentist, the Canandaigua Dentistry team promises to go the extra smile for you. Stop by the office located at 3240 Middle Cheshire Road in Canandaigua or call 585-394-5230 to talk with the team today. Visit www.canandaiguadentistry.com to learn more and find them on Facebook and Instagram too. Since 1937, the difference has been DeSanto Propane. That's 80 years that DeSanto Propane has been servicing the community. DeSanto Propane is four generations strong as a trustworthy family-owned business, which is why everyone recommends DeSanto Propane. Choose DeSanto today and see why for 80 years, DeSanto Propane has been heating the community with unmatched customer service. Go online at DeSantoPropane.com or call toll-free 1-800-752-4574 and like DeSanto Propane on Facebook for more tips and info today. DeSanto is celebrating 80 years and there's never been a better time to switch to propane to fuel your entire house. Oh, 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 oh DeSanto. Since 1937, the difference has been DeSanto Propane. Today's program is brought to you thanks to support from Chichino's Pizzeria and Restaurant. Live, laugh, and eat well. It's the Italian way. It's the Chichino's way. Auburn Auto Group. Experience the difference at auburnautogroup.com. Finger Lakes Partners. Insurance for your life, home, auto, and future. Get a free quote at fingerlakesinsurance.com. Little John and Barbie Orthodontics. Celebrating over 40 years. Visit them online at littlejohnortho.com. Upstate Fiber Networks. Fast and reliable fiber internet straight to your home. Check for availability in your area at upstatefibernetworks.com. Midday Miris and Ricky, your hometown personal injury attorneys. Get a free consultation at midaymirisricky.com. Welcome back to Finger Lakes Today. A local environmental group, Seneca Lake Guardian, got a cease and desist letter from attorneys representing Seneca Meadows Landfill. The landfill's manager told us the group is spreading misinformation, but the group disagrees with that assertion. Here's Yvonne Taylor with Seneca Lake Guardian reacting to Seneca Meadows' latest legal maneuver and why they say they won't back down. Tell me a little bit about who you are for those of our viewers who don't know you. Introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what you do. Sure. So my name is Yvonne Taylor. I am the vice president of Seneca Lake Guardian. Uh, we are a small community grassroots organization uh, designed to protect and preserve the clean air, clean water, uh, and health of our uh, Finger Lakes region and support those uh, sustainable uh, agriculture and tourism jobs uh, that that rely on that clean air and water. So 
cutting right to the chase, tell me a little bit. You got a letter, didn't you? Yes, right before Thanksgiving, we received an 11-page letter from a law firm representing Seneca Meadows Landfill, uh, claiming that uh, we needed to cease and desist our public uh, opposition to the landfill extending its uh, closure date from 2025 to 2040. Um, so this is very common, unfortunately, when um, public opponents of uh, an issue speak out as part of the public process using their First Amendment rights. Uh, a bully corporation like Seneca Meadows will uh, initiate what is the beginning of what they call a strategic lawsuit against public participation or slap suit. And it's meant to intimidate and chill, uh, you know, everyday citizens and organizations like mine uh, from speaking out. So what was your reaction when you got the letter? How did it make you feel? Um, you know, to some extent, it had its desired effect. Uh, it's it's very intimidating to receive. I mean, the packet that they sent was, you know, two inches thick. Um, and, you know, you, you, you get something like this in the mail and your heart sinks. And, uh, you know, you, you feel like all of the, uh, you know, the efforts that you put into educating and informing the public about, you know, the, the, the harmful impacts of, of basically any landfill, um, you know, is, is being squelched. And, uh, you know, the first thing we did was pick up the phone and call our lawyer <laughs> um, who read the letter and reviewed the information and determined that, you know, we are within our rights to speak out publicly about this uh, proposal to expand uh, and that nothing that we are saying publicly is, you know, is a lie. It's it's all most mostly based on reports from the industry itself or the Department of Environmental Conservation. And we are just simply exercising our First Amendment rights to speak out. So what's your next move? After talking it over with friends and family, uh, we decided that Seneca Lake Guardian will not be bullied into silence. Uh, we are going to continue to speak out publicly as is our right. Uh, and, you know, I guess the only other thing I can say is that this isn't the first time this has happened to Seneca Lake Guardian. Uh, we received similar letters from the Greenwich Bitcoin mining facility along the shores of Seneca Lake. Um, and, you know, they, they were attempting to do the same thing. And I think, uh, you know, in all of the years that community members, business owners, elected officials have uh, made heroic efforts uh, to battle this landfill, um, you know, they've never gotten a letter like this threatening them uh, from Seneca Meadows. But I think that Seneca Meadows has watched our work uh, and they know that Seneca Lake Guardian has a undefeated track record at fighting large polluters like theirs and winning. And they're a little afraid that we might be victorious against them as well. So I think that's why they're threatening us in this way. 
know, what what's a perfect outcome? I mean, for you, what what is your end game? Like, what do you um, and your what does your organization want to see happen? You're fighting against the extension of the date that the landfill is going to close. Can you kind of talk about that and educate us on that? Sure. So Seneca Meadows landfill uh, is not only uh, creating 75 million gallons of leachate a year that contains the toxic forever chemical PFAS. Uh, and and it's, it's not just harming our community. They're, they're shipping this stuff all over New York State uh, to places like Buffalo, Watertown, Chittenango, uh, Steuben County, and even New Jersey, uh, where it goes untreated into people's waterways. Um, so, you know, these chemicals are uh, harmful to humans and animals. They uh, bioaccumulate in bodies uh, and they're affiliated with causing things like cancer and other, other uh, really uh, nasty health impacts. Uh, so we're informing the public about that. They're, uh, you know, pumping out putrid odors that are smelled for, for miles around. Um, the, the truck traffic is hindering our thriving economic engine, which is agriculture and tourism. And it's even turning people away from uh, some large employers who are having a hard time retaining and recruiting people because nobody really wants to raise their family uh, near a landfill. Not only that, but they're emitting uh, levels of methane that are almost comparable to the Greenwich Bitcoin mining power plant. And that is uh, hindering our efforts to reach New York State's bold climate goals. So the, the outcome that we are searching for is to get Governor Hochul to adhere to the original 2025 closure date for Seneca Meadows landfill and adopt a statewide comprehensive solid waste management plan so that we aren't shipping that 6,000 tons of garbage to any other community, uh, but reducing our waste in the first place and eliminating the need for landfills like this. And that, that sort of segues right into what my next question was going to be. Like, where does the trash go if we don't have a landfill? Yeah, and you know what? That's exactly what Seneca Meadows would say, right? You need to put this garbage somewhere, so we might as well take it here. Um, but we, you know, Seneca Lake Guardian's philosophy is not only to be against something, but also to be for something. And what we're for is pushing New York State to be more mindful about its solid waste management problem in the first place. And there are many different ways that we can tackle that problem and find solutions for eliminating the need for this waste uh, to go anywhere. And um, so really getting across to the governor is a big, is a big push. Um, and can you talk to me about some of the the ways that we could reduce our waste? I sure can. 25% um, of the garbage that comes to Seneca Meadows landfill is from New York City. Uh, we're working with Sandy Nurse uh, to talk to her more about 
composting, reducing, and recycling in New York City. So that eliminates uh, the need to send it to us here upstate. Um, we are looking at the employer uh, or the producer responsibility bill that is in front of the New York State Legislature, which puts uh, the responsibility on the producer of things like packaging and plastics to be more careful in their products um, rather than just pass that along to the consumer where the consumer has nowhere to put this plastic and waste. Uh, we are also going to be researching San Francisco, which happens to be the country's uh, number one zero waste city in the country. So uh, we're looking for, for ways to model what they've already put in place. Uh, we're also uh, proud to have been able to educate and inform uh, our Senator Rachel May and our Assembly Member Anna Kellis about PFAS chemicals in our waterways, and that has led to them introducing a bill uh, to make these producers of these PFAS chemicals like Seneca Meadows responsible for testing and disclosing um, the amount of PFAS that they're uh, producing every year. So those are just some of the ways um, that we're going about this and there will be more to come in our uh in our campaign as we move forward great and so i guess to sum things up you're you're not going to stop your efforts you know after receiving this letter you, you don't feel like you are gonna um be silenced is what i'm hearing from you Yes, that's right. You know, New York State has very strong laws protecting uh, public participation and our First Amendment rights to speak uh, out publicly during a, a process like this. And um, we feel that we must persevere if we're going to protect the clean air and water of the, the people in the Finger Lakes. So yeah, we're going to, despite these bullying tactics, we're going to forge ahead. That is one side of the equation here, but we did receive a statement from Seneca Meadows uh, later yesterday evening, and I'm going to read some of that to you. Um, Kyle Black, the district manager, says, Seneca Meadows is proud to be part of the central New York Finger Lake, Seneca Falls, and Waterloo communities and has always been fully transparent about its facility and actions. So, they're saying that this group has made some false claims and they're saying that those claims are including but not limited to one of them. They say Seneca Lake Guardian's website continues to falsely state that Seneca Meadows is, quote, in violation of the Seneca Falls Town Code, its host agreement and NYSDEC Part 211.1 regulations. They say those statements are false. Um, Seneca Meadows also says the Seneca Lake Guardian asserts that the documentation provided within Seneca Meadows' letter does not support its claim that it is not a source, the landfill, of noxious odors. Um, also saying Seneca Lake Guardian continuously um, is continuing to falsely state that Seneca Meadows is hurting local, local agritourism despite overwhelming evidence to the contrary 
and included in Seneca's Med- Seneca Meadows letter, including multiple governmental reports and assessments showing that Seneca County's tourism and agritourism industry is thriving. So those are, you know, two totally different sides of the argument there. We're going to continue to follow this on FingerLakes1.com. So that is going to do it for this edition of Finger Lakes Today. Remember, for the latest news, weather, sports, and podcasts, download the FingerLakes1.com app. Thank you for watching. Have a great day.